Welcome to part two in our How to Study the Bible series, otherwise known as hermeneutics, the art and science of biblical interpretation. In this episode, we're going to be taking a look at why it's important to read and understand the Bible within its own historical context. If you watch part one of this series, you may remember that we discussed that the Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. This means that often the human authors of the Bible had a real intended audience in mind as they wrote. Sometimes that might have been a nation, a specific person, or a church or churches. Knowing and understanding the background of the Bible helps us better grab hold of the meaning of the text under consideration by helping us see the world through the eyes of the biblical writer and to therefore interpret it the way that they intended us to. In hermeneutics, we call this the authorial intent. So, for us to fully understand the Bible in its context, it's a really useful thing for us to know a little bit about who the recipients were or who the author was and what was going on in their world at that time. This helps us to not incorrectly interpret scripture for our own modern worldview, but of that of somebody living in the first century. This is one of the reasons why we're such big supporters of expository preaching. An expository preacher will carefully unpack this historical context verse by verse and helpfully and carefully help the listener to understand how we should and can apply these truths in our lives today. Before we go any further, I just want to insert a massive big warning at this point. This does not mean that the Bible is a dusty ancient book that only meant something to people 2000 years ago. Absolutely not. The Bible is as infinitely important, as infinitely relevant today as it was when it was first written. It's just for us to fully grasp the true meaning from the text. We need to make sure that we study it in its context. Otherwise, the real danger is that we can end up misreading it, misunderstanding it, and therefore misapplying it in our lives today. In case you're tempted to click away thinking, well, why does it all matter? Let's quickly talk about why it does matter. How quickly do contexts change? Imagine writing a letter to your 10-year-old self. So in my case, here, we're talking about 30 years ago. Imagine writing about a day in the life of how we live today in 2020. Imagine trying to explain that when you wake up, you check your smartphone, this phone that is wirelessly connected to this super fast information resource called the internet, where you can search for any information you wanted within a blink of an eye. More content at the click of a button than the world's largest library on a gadget that is small enough that you can slip into your pocket. And then, on that same device, you are connected to all of your friends and family from all around the world and you're able to enjoy seeing photos and videos of weddings and birthdays live from the other side of the world as it's happening. Then you're one click away from being able to order any international dish that you want to be delivered to your home and then whilst you're waiting for it to arrive you can maybe send some electronic mail or settle a couple of bills with your online banking all from your phone doing this whilst listening to any musical artist in the world from any era all within seconds on the same device that can tell you how many steps you've walked, how many calories you've eaten, it can give you directions and you can book your family holiday all whilst being connected to your watch, your fridge, your car and your TV. Then of course the most important thing that your phone's designed for is to update your social media to make sure that all of your friends know what you're about to eat for your dinner from that takeaway. Okay, so you get my point. It would have blown your mind and this is just a 30 year gap. When we're reading the Bible, think about it. 
The New Testament scriptures were written nearly 2,000 years ago. And when we read the Old Testament, some of these books are written 3,500 years ago. So obviously, like we've just noted, a lot can change in 30 years, let alone thousands. So for us to be effective readers of the Bible, we need to make sure that we're transporting ourselves back into what life looked like for the recipients and also for the human author of each biblical book. And as we do this, we also consider what the gap looked like from a historical geographical point of view. Many people listening to this will live thousands of miles away from countries in which the biblical events took place. The Middle East, Egypt, Rome, Greece, which then lead to a different historical cultural context. Just imagine... Many of us would be ignorant to many of the customs in these places today, let alone 2,000 years ago. But if you've ever travelled to another country, either on holiday or maybe for business, you'll know how important these local customs are. Otherwise, it could be really easy to offend someone or to put yourself into a really dangerous situation. Imagine hiring a car when you're in another country and not knowing what side of the road that they drive on. As we read the Bible... Knowing what's going on in its own historical context can make all the difference for our understanding. And if you're honest, how many times have you read the Bible and come to a passage and thought, I have absolutely no idea what's going on here, and then just read over it and continue to, continue to study to get to a bit that you do understand? Well, that's in the Bible for a reason. There is nothing in scripture that's just been used as a little bit of filler to get to a certain word count. Every single word, every single message is important. And the great news is, the more and more we study our Bibles, the more that we read it in its own historical context, we can really grow in our knowledge, our faith and our love for the Lord as we begin to understand what's really going on here in Scripture. Let's have a quick look at a few examples. Why did Moses write in Exodus and Deuteronomy for the Israelites not to cook a young goat in its mother's milk? Well, we know from ancient extra-biblical writing that this was part of a popular Canaanite religious ritual and often part of Baal worship. Have you ever wondered why Boaz went to the city gate to talk to the elders about Naomi's land in the book of Ruth? Do you remember the whole sandal removing thing? Well, the city gate was an official recognised place for legal transactions and it was also the place where court cases were heard. And that giving of the sandal, that was the equivalent of signing a contract today. And why did Jesus tell his disciples not to greet anyone on their journey in Luke chapter 10 verse 4? He wasn't suggesting an anti-social attitude. Instead, he was highlighting the fact that he didn't want them to be delayed in their mission. As greetings were not like today, where you might just say hi to someone and then smile. These would often be time-consuming, drawn-out events involving a, a number of repeated greetings and lots of bowing. Jesus here is effectively saying, be as quick as you can. Today, we probably won't be as polite and we would just say, hurry up and don't mess about. And as we become students of the word and as we read our Bibles every day and grow in our knowledge, it all begins to make a lot more sense, right? Because we're prayerfully reading the word of God in its own historical context. Rather than reading something that doesn't quite make sense at first glance, if we take the time to study it rather than skim past it, it will bear so much fruit as we transport ourselves into the ancient world in which the Bible was written. As Christians, we understand that the Bible was written using human authors inspired by God. The Lord did not give us his word by dictation. Instead, the process was organic, meaning that God didn't override the talents, the style, the vocabulary, the personality of the human author. He worked in 
and through these things to give us a book that is varied in its content and style, but unified in its teaching across all 66 books of the Bible. As we consider that 30 year gap that we spoke about a few moments ago, think about how even the language has changed. If you have kids, this will give you a brilliant example. Do you ever listen to them speak to their friends? It could be like listening to another language. Words that are now part of their everyday vocabulary that actually make no sense to us. And we did exactly the same thing when we were kids. You might remember words like cool. For the generation before and in history, that's always used to, as a word to describe temperature. And then the word bad, that used to describe something that was actually bad. But then it became a word that described something that was good. The same as the word wicked. And now I hear kids say, ah, oh, that's sick. Describing something that's good and not just someone that is ill. Imagine having the job of translating literature written today in 2000 years, looking back at this era, looking to try and pick out the bones of our culture and context. But that's what we're doing when we're reading the Bible. We have to have a lens for understanding what were the words that they were using and what did it mean to the actual original audience and the author back then. Having language on your radar is an important part of hermeneutics. And we'll discuss this in a lot more detail in a later module. But we should be aware that the Bible contains many communication styles. And knowing this will help us not get ourselves into a pickle when we read figurative language like Jesus saying that he's a door. This was never intended for us to process that literally as if Jesus was made of wood and had hinges. It's the same as when he said that he is the shepherd. We don't jump to the conclusion that he cared for a field and owned lots of sheep. Remembering that the Bible wasn't written to us but for us helps us understand some really important things. The biblical authors often used illustrations, situations, stories and people that the audience would instantly recognise within their own context. It helped them understand a deeper spiritual point. So, for example, mustard seeds are mentioned by Jesus five times in the Bible. In all five cases, Jesus is specifically using the mustard seeds to teach a spiritual concept, not a scientific one. So let's have a look at an example. Matthew chapter 13 verses 31 and 32. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds. But when it is fully grown, it is larger than the garden plant and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Here, Jesus is using an object that is widely recognised by his audience in that context 2,000 years ago, which at the time was the smallest seed that they were aware of, which grows into something so much bigger. The mustard seed found in present day Israel is approximately one millimetre in length. There are many plants that we know of today 2,000 years later that have smaller seeds. The smallest known seed, which belongs to a species of jewel orchid, measures a microscopic 0.05 millimetre in length. But the art of great communication is to talk in terms that your audience would recognise. If Jesus used the seed of a jewel orchid or how bad the battery is on an iPhone in any of his parables, then the audience of the day would have been left scratching their heads. Let's think of another example. Years ago, people didn't know that the grey stuff inside our head is our brain. And that's what controls our thoughts and our emotions. Instead, they thought that emotions and thoughts come from our heart or our kidneys, our gut. It's why, still thousands and thousands of years later, we say things like, what's your gut feel about that? Or, what's your heart telling you to do? And we know, neither our gut nor our heart thinks anything. Yet we are still able to reason what that person is trying to communicate when they talk like that. It's just the same for us in scripture. For us to clearly understand and interpret the meaning correctly, we need to understand what it meant within the context of the intended audience of the day. 
And we have so many resources, more than ever in the history of the world to help us with this. We would absolutely recommend buying a good study Bible. And when studying a book of a Bible, have a look at some of the commentaries, either online or invest in some. Or of course, listen to sound, solid, expository Bible teachers unpacking the text whilst you have your Bible in your hand. By studying the Bible in its historical context, we are reading it in the same way in which the prophets did, in how Jesus read it, and how the apostles did, and it's how we need to do it today. I hope this module has been helpful for you and you've enjoyed it today. We're looking forward to releasing part three in a couple of weeks time. We've been absolutely blown away by how part one was received and we're so thankful for all of you that have shared it with your friends and the comments and, and for liking it and, and for trying to get it out there. Please do the same with this one. It really encourages when we see that. Um, feel free to comment uh, below and to share it with your, with your friends like we just said. Thank you so much for all of your support with Exposit the Word. We look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless you all.